Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast. I am once again Noah Rubin, and this will be episode five. And for this one, I was joined by Fantasy Basketball International's Adam King. Uh, we discussed the Bulls, the Thunder, and the Nets, some dynasty outlooks for those teams and individual players, uh, as well as Adam's journey kind of through the fantasy industry and just a number of other topics. We got really off topic at times, um, and I t- ended up taking up way too much of his time, but we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, a guess a little housekeeping thing is that the NBA draft lottery uh, is next week, so we'll be getting lottery odds who's going to end up with Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, um, other guys, so uh, starting after that we'll probably be trying to do more draft content both uh, within podcasts and also within the written content. Uh, It might be pretty brief at times, but definitely as we get closer to the draft, more mocks and more fantasy outlooks for a lot of guys. Uh, didn't really do that much in this episode, uh, but we did have a really good conversation. So here's episode five of the Tank Me Later podcast with Adam King. Welcome back. This is episode five of the Tank Me Later podcast. We discuss dynasty hoops, and today I'm joined by Fantasy Basketball International's own Adam King, a huge name in the fantasy basketball space and one of the friendliest guys in the fantasy basketball space. Adam was uh, very generous to reach out to me pretty early on when I was getting into you know, content creation and being active on Twitter. Adam, how are you doing today? Uh, yeah, not too bad. We we chatted just before I <clears throat> came on that um, yeah, feeling a little bit under the weather, but not nothing that will stop me doing fantasy. That's for sure. There's not much that's going to stop you from doing no, fantasy. There is not. <laughs> well, Adam, uh, just kind of what I've done with everyone is before we get into talking about dynasty and kind of outlooks for a handful of teams, just kind of talking about how you got into fantasy basketball, fantasy sports in general. I know we've talked about it before, but for the listeners, if you could enlighten us on how you got into the space. Yeah, sure. Uh, so so for me, um, I guess it came through a love of just basketball in general. So I've, I've played basketball since I was probably six or seven. So the mid-80s, I started playing basketball. Um, and, I mean, fair, being in Australia, NBA wasn't – I mean, it was big over here, but it was very limited as to what we could – watch and and the exposure that we got so i know fantasy has been around for a long time but probably didn't take off here until i don't know two, 2005 2006 um during the 90s growing up it was all newspapers like that that's where we got our box scores they were always two days late uh we got one game a week if we were lucky and it was at midnight um which when you're a 14 year old staying up till two three in the morning is is a challenge because you've got to get up and go to school uh so for me it was just basketball i love basketball um happened to just stumble into a new team that i was playing with uh probably about 12 years ago and just hanging out with those guys and chatting and they said hey we play fantasy do you want to are you interested we've got a guy in our league who isn't sort of pulling his weight, he's not setting his lineup, that sort of thing. So you can take over his team. So I did. Um, and I remember the team. I had Brandon Jennings, I had David Lee, um, and I 
I did pretty well with the team I was given. I think I ended up finishing third or fourth. Um, and and just I loved it. I love stats. I love numbers. I love basketball. So it was a good fit. Uh, started writing articles for the league just for something to do uh, once a week and just thought I really enjoy this. So um, discovered Twitter, discovered the podcasts that were out there, that sort of thing. Um, it's a bit of a, a rabbit hole that if you go down it, there's, there's just all the, all this information that's it's just there. It's not that hard to find, but you just need to know where to look. So started finding um, that sort of information, stumbled across Josh Lloyd, of course, um, through, I mean, you Google fantasy basketball, he comes up near the top, uh, saw that he was here in Australia. So I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm, I'm fairly new to this, but interested in in sort of having a go at writing or, or, or doing something. So he he let me do a little bit of work for uh, for him on Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Um, I went and met with him. So he lives about six hours from where I live. So travelled down, met with him, had some lunch, had a good chat. Uh, he he sort of explained to me the path that he took to get to where he was. So I figured, well. It worked for him, so let's let's try the same path. So I reached out to Rotowire. Um, can't remember who it was. It might have been DJ um, that I that I reached out to and, and sort of said, "Hey, I've, Josh Lloyd has told me to contact you," and got on with them doing some blurb writing. Um, Fantrax then approached me and said, "Hey, we're looking for a, someone to take over our fantasy basketball content." So I did that for maybe two years, 18 months, um, formed a relationship with a number of, of analysts. Uh, obviously, Dan Bespris was one of those, and, and through him, um, jumped over to Sports Ethos and started doing work for them for 12 months, maybe. Uh, COVID, I sort of lost track of time with COVID, but so I did some work for them, which was great. Um, and it just then got to a point, though, that, my, I think with COVID and with my day job, my day job, the, the work was ramping up quite a lot. So I had to scale back what I was doing with fantasy quite a lot. Um, and unfortunately, that, that fit sports ethos, the role that they had required me to, to commit quite a lot of time, which I couldn't do. So um, decided to, to sort of end things there and 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 just take a bit of a break. And then uh, B-Dub, who, who does Fantasy Basketball International with Matt Lawson, um, I know him, I, he, he's a mate of mine, so he reached out to me and just said, look, I know you've got some free time. Would you be interested in doing anything for us? So there was no real um, expectation set. And I just, I, I said, look, sure, I've got some time. I don't have a lot of time. Um, so jumped on there and, and started helping them with, I did some rankings and, and done some podcasts and um the last few months, I've, I've managed to find a, a really good balance with what I do during the day and, and fantasy basketball and and being able to commit a little bit more time to FBI. And, yeah, we've got the, the podcast rolling through now and my player rank's already out for next year. So looking forward to, to next season and um, and just meeting and chatting with people like, like yourself and, and other analysts, I think, is a really key part to to getting anywhere in this industry. Yeah. And just, just segue right off of that. Talk about talking to a bunch of different analysts. 
and what you've been doing recently, starting to put out episodes. I think you've released five or six episodes of the analyst interviews where you're just kind of interviewing analysts about their personal lives kind of outside of fantasy basketball as well. How's that been going? Like what, what kind of inspired you to start doing that? Oh, look, I think, I think for me it was, uh, well, a couple of different reasons. One, as, as I said, I just think it's important to build those relationships with, with other analysts and, and you would, I mean, I can't speak on your behalf, but for me, the, the fantasy basketball industry and, and all of those that, that are part of, of the community, it's very friendly. We all help each other. Um, there's no sort of competing against each other. Like we're all happy to, to promote each other's shows and each other's content and we work together. We do mock drafts together. We do roundtable articles, all sorts of things. So for me, it's just about continuing to build those relationships. Um, being here in Australia, I, I can't just, I don't, ge geographically, I'm not close to any any of the analysts over there. Obviously, there's a, a couple here in Australia. Um, so building those relationships, but also for me, like it's just, I just think everyone's journey is different. And, and for me getting into this space, it was a little bit daunting, but it's actually not, I mean, I wouldn't say it's not hard, but the path is there for anyone that wants to do it. And I just thought it would be good for for listeners and readers to hear from the analysts about the the different options you do have and, and what you can do to get into the industry. And and the stories are just interesting. Like you had Dr. A on the last episode and man, I could just listen to his stories <laughs> for days. Um, he, he did the Dominique story with you. Um, I, I've spoken with him like he, he sleeps. I, I swear he's out. The hours that he sleeps are so weird compared to everyone else in the States. He's always up at odd times. Um, so I'm often chatting with him just on Twitter. Uh, and and, and we've, we've spoken, obviously, he's been on my show. And the stories that he has from the mid-80s about meeting the players and getting all the, the shoes and that sort of thing, like it just doesn't happen nowadays. So I'm, it's going to be a tough act to follow coming on after him because he's sort of he set the bar pretty high with his stories and, and I don't have any stories. But, um, the, yeah, look, the, the series has been going well. Uh, we've released five. I've recorded, I think I've recorded 16 um, with another three or four. So we, we should get up to about 20. Um, and and we're just releasing two a week. Um during this period when it's a bit of a downtime for fantasy. Um, and then hopefully they should all be released by the time the draft sort of takes place. And that's when I think we start looking ahead to, to next year. Yeah. You mentioned just how welcoming everybody is in the fantasy basketball kind of space. I think it was Dan Titus was saying on his episode on your show was that like fantasy football, it's not like that at all. And I think I've kind of observed that on Twitter, which was why, when I got into fantasy basketball and like the Twitter space, just realizing how friendly and I mentioned that you reached out rather quickly and said like, Hey, like if you want me on a podcast, like, I'm happy to do it. And I was like, okay, like, that's great. Like, I'll absolutely, I'd love that. And everybody else has just been so friendly and inviting as well. You said, you know, it's not easy, but it's, there's definitely a path because everybody is looking to promote each other's content. There's no, I guess like toxic competition or anything like that everybody's just trying to help each other out. So if you put in the work and you tell somebody about it, people will share your work. And then 
it's pretty, there's a path set forward for you to gain recognition and a following with your work. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think another really good um, part of it, as you said, yeah, no animosity, everyone helps each other, but everyone has their own opinion, obviously. Like we all, we all have, if you talk about a player, we're all going to have different thoughts on where he's going to be drafted and where, what his ADP might be. But I think that's what makes the fantasy basketball space really good. I, I think you can, it's, it's very like, it's not like we, we all listen to one analyst and then base our opinion on that one analyst. We're, we're all confident to speak our mind. And, and I guess if you, 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 to some degree, you probably do have to not, listen to everyone like you probably need to pick a few and because if you listen to everyone you'll have oh this player someone these people are drafting him at 20 and these people are drafting him at 40 so what's the right answer and um there there is a lot of information out there so you do need to i guess factor that in when you're listening to to podcasts but in saying that i don't think anyone's ever i mean matt did that huge spreadsheet of of all the player ranks and from last season and had a look at who was right and who was wrong. And if you look across that, there's no one person that's, that's right on everything. We're all, we all might have some hits and we all have some misses. So um, yeah, I, I think that's a really important part of, of the fantasy basketball space as well. And I'll just bring this up really quickly, but the other thing Matt put out was uh, when me and Josh Lloyd did our like top 25 from the past three classes. Yes. I don't know. Did you see Matt's tweet of his top 25? <laughs> and for some reason, everybody ignored our podcast and everybody responded to his tweet, which was fine because he got lit up because everybody didn't realize it was fantasy basketball and it was dynasty. But I found that pretty amusing. But that's a great example of people having deferring opinions, uh, even if some of it was from outside fantasy basketball and outside the respect that's shown within fantasy basketball. Yeah, I, I did notice that because we, we've obviously, Matt, Matt, B-Dub and I, we've got our own private chat sure. going on in, in, for, for our sort of team. And he, yeah, it, it was, I, I got onto Twitter and just saw it and it went nuts. It had like 250,000 views or something, <laughs> a ridiculous number of views and, and the comments and and I just I thought, man, Josh is he's had to come on and defend himself here to every person in the world because they're all questioning and and Matt was constantly saying this is a fantasy list, this is a fantasy list, but people just weren't reading that. Yeah, I found it incredibly amusing just reading all the replies where people were saying this is the worst list I've seen on Twitter, and then Josh or Matt would say it's fantasy. And they're like, oh, sorry, I didn't read, guys. My bad. My bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was full on. Well, it was definitely full on, and I think that's part of the whole. I mean, I don't understand Twitter and all the how it all works behind the scenes and stuff, but obviously something there with that tweet has triggered something to make it viewable to everyone. I don't know how it all works, but it was it was funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, Adam, you talked about one game a week at midnight growing up, getting to watch for NBA. Was did you have a team? We may have talked about this. I don't remember. Was there a team that you supported then, or a team you support now, and then maybe teams you support with other sports as well? Yeah. So the probably growing up, um, if I had to pick a team that I liked, it's probably the Pacers. Um, they were probably the the team that I liked. But it was much like it is now. It's it was more about players for me. I liked certain players, and and so if I liked that player, I'd like the team. Um, 
Jordan was a big one, obviously. Like he was, he was the the guy here in Australia. We were very limited, as I said, to what we were able to see. But Jordan had the "Come Fly with Me" and Michael Jordan's playground, all those old VHS tapes that we had. And so, so Jordan, uh, Larry Johnson was another player I loved um, growing up. Dennis Rodman was my favourite player. Um, hence why Adam King 91, the 91 is for, for Rodman. Um, I modelled, I mean, not that I'm anywhere close to being <laughs> Dennis Rodman, but a lot of what I did when I played was modelled around him. So um, really just focused on rebounding, tried to get 20 rebounds a game if I could. Um, so, yeah, it was more players. Nowadays, again, it's, it is more probably players that I like. I mean, it's not being from America. I suppose I'm not. I'm not sort of locked into this team. Hey, I grew up in this area, so I've got to support this team. Whereas with Australian sports, I am the team I go for in our in rugby league here, which is like a football code. Is the jumper I'm wearing now, which is the West Tigers, and they suck. Like they have <laughs> not. They have not made the the finals for over a decade. Um, it's very, very hard to support them uh, at the moment, but I'm not going to change. I can't change. I'm, I'm, I've been supporting them for over 30 years. So, yeah, here, here in um, Australia, I do have my allegiances to, to the Tigers and AFL is Essendon. So Josh Lloyd likes the Western Bulldogs in the AFL here. I like Essendon Bombers. Um, American sports, I mean... I don't know. I I used to like Memphis, but with Dylan Brooks gone, I might like them more. Um, <laughs> again, um, I like the Pelicans. Well, there's a few teams that I that I have a soft spot for. The Timberwolves. Um, I don't really like the Warriors, but that's more that I just don't like. I'm just sick of them winning, so <laughs> it'll be good. I like the Thunder. Um, other other American sports. Um, Probably, I mean, baseball is one that I've never really got my head around. Um, I can I can sit and watch it, but to me, it's just boring, and, and that's because I, I, we it's not big over here. Yeah. Um, NFL, I can watch again. It's it's very stop start. So for us, our AFL and rugby league, our our main codes here are very non stop. Like the, the the play does not stop. Um, whereas mm-hmm. NFL is very stop start after every end and that sort of thing. But a team that I liked growing up was the Bengals, and that and that was because they were a tiger. That was I liked. The tiger. <laughs> I liked. I liked their helmets, that sort of thing. And and they were not good for a long time, and now I think they're all right, aren't they? Yeah, they've done really well the past couple of years. Yep. But for a while, yeah, they were pretty bad. Yeah. So, yeah. Look, that's probably that. But in terms, I I mean, I just love sport. I love golf. I love tennis, um, cricket. There's not many sports that I won't sit and watch, uh, much to the disgust of my wife and kids. Yeah, I think especially like if I'm in a restaurant and there's a TV, it could be any sport. My eyes will just be drawn to it. I've watched plenty of – I'm not going to turn on tennis at home, but if there's tennis on at a restaurant, all of a sudden I can't keep my eyes off it. But I know all about supporting a team and sticking with them while they are awful. I don't know, like if you – I guess you don't follow the NFL very closely, but I'm a Jets fan. And they haven't made the playoffs in 13 years, which is the longest drought in North American sports. So <laughs> next year is the year. 
but oh look every every year it's next year isn't it like the the, the tigers as i said i think the last time they made it was about 2011 so yeah. similar similar sort yeah. of time frame <laughs> and where our season we're about a third of the way through our season here and i can confidently say they are not going to make the finals this year because they have only won two games and it was the last two games they lost their first seven so 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 they're on a hot streak they are on a hot streak they might not lose again (laughs) well yeah god that look they play this week they play the the team that's probably the favorites to win the whole thing um so it'll be an interesting test for them i'm not confident at all if not next year's the year Next year's the year, that's right. <laughs> All right, so we'll we'll get into some actual dynasty talk now. We're going to talk about Chicago, we're going to talk about OKC, and we're going to talk about Brooklyn. But first, we're going to talk about the Bulls, who, let's see, what, what pick or what odds, I guess. They'll have the 11th best odds, but unless they leap into the top four, the Magic are going to make their pick. So they don't have much of a direction. They... uh you know, I guess if it were me, I probably would have sold out at the deadline in one direction, at the trade deadline in one direction or the other, either traded away some players to get some picks or traded away picks slash younger players to get some better players to field a better team. Instead, they just kind of waited and then they got a win in the play-in tournament, lost the second play-in game. Adam, what are they doing? Like, what's, what's the team direction here? Like, what's 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 the idea? I don't know. Yeah, I, the Bulls are a tricky one. I, I feel sorry for the Bulls a little bit because I think I think if they had Lonzo, they would be a good team. Like I think their team is built around having guard like guards who can defend. They've got Caruso who who made I think he made all defensive first team. Is that he right? Um, so they've got Caruso, but I mean he's he himself is injured a lot. But we saw at the beginning of last year when Lonzo was healthy, they were good. Um, they were. They didn't need him to score. They just needed him to pass. Um, he was hitting his threes. Great defender, which frees up Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic. Like they've got these guys who can score points, but without Lonzo there, they just they're, they're lost on defense. And and they'll score points. Um, I, I think if you looked at at all three of those guys, Levine, uh, DeRozan, and uh, and Vuce, they, they've played well like they've done what you would expect them to do but they don't defend um and so where the bulls go from here i i don't know um lonzo i mean you could do a whole pod on lonzo really um he's i I mean i don't think he plays next year i think that's sort of the what we're hearing is that there's a decent chance that he doesn't play next year and and honestly i mean is his is his career over maybe I think that's got to be factored in. Like, I think that's it's certainly a possibility. Um, I don't know whether... So, like, I know that the surgery that he's having or, or has had recently is sort of a last resort, I think. Um, like, it sounds as though they were exploring every other option before... Because I think he had something like a cartilage replacement. Is that... I mean, I don't know how much you know about it, but I think it was something like that like it's quite an extreme surgery that hasn't happened a lot in the nba and i don't know whether it's something that brandon roy had i'm sure there was a player that similar that had it and it it basically derailed their whole career because it's a it's a hit or miss kind of thing it's either going to work and you'll be fine or 
it doesn't work. So I don't know. I don't know what the Bulls do next year. As you said, they, they might not even get their draft picks. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know if they're just going to be stuck in sort of mediocrity again, like a little bit like the Wizards, I suppose, sort of stuck in that 7 to 10, 7 to 11 kind of range, which is not bad, but it's not it's not conducive to moving forward as an organisation and, and developing and they don't, They've got a few young pieces there, but no one that jumps out as, "Hey, this we can we can build around this player." I don't see anyone on the team that fits that bill, other than maybe Levine, but he's not that young. Yeah, maybe seven to ten range isn't that bad based on the current playoffs. I mean, the Lakers and Heat are about to wow. <laughs> potentially. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I'm not saying that's the recipe, but I'm saying it's. You look at it, but again, it's the first time that's ever really happened, but. Yeah, I was trying to look it up. Lonzo's had three surgeries on the same knee since he last played. So I guess you could definitely – I mean, the report right now is into the 2023-2024 season. How far into it, who knows? I mean, the original – if I remember correctly, from the first surgery that he had in, like, January of last season, it was, yeah, he's going to be out about six weeks. And obviously that hasn't held true. It's been about 16 months, and it's going to be even longer than that. So Lonzo, I obviously huge question mark. I think he's just based off his on court talent and like what he's produced when he's been healthy, he's worth hanging on to in dynasty leagues. I yeah. don't think you sell him for cheap at this point, but there's definitely legitimate concerns about if he will play again, or at least how long until he does. Cause it could be another half a season or full season at least. Um, I don't know. But if you, you you mentioned Levine, I think he's 28 right now. Probably their best, the best player that they have as far as kind of a face of the franchise. I mean, Vooch is, Vooch and DeRozan will be 33 and 34 at the start of the next season. It's like, you don't want to say those are your, your franchise guys, but Levine, he was 53rd in nine cat this season. I believe he was 25th the season before, DeMar came to town. Do you think, I guess, assuming DeMar starts to show his age a little bit, because obviously that really hasn't happened the past two seasons, uh, do you think Levine can kind of step back into being that role where it's his team and not like two top scoring options? And could that potentially get him back into top 25? Or do you think those days are kind of behind him? Oh, look, I I think... I mean, I think we will see somewhat of a decline from DeRozan. He's, as you said, he's 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 getting older. So I think we saw glimpses of it this season. He was still pretty good, but he his free throws were a little bit down. So he, he struggled at times from the free throw line. He's got a few little injuries going on, nothing severe. Um, I think as long as they're both there, it. it it does put a cap on what Levine can do. Um, we we saw what he can do when DeRozan was out. Towards he missed a few games towards the back end of the season, and and Levine, I mean Levine himself is no stranger to injuries, um, especially knee injuries coming into the season. He was the Bulls were sort of like, hey, we're, this is knee thing is real. We're going to have to manage it throughout the season, and he he missed. I think he missed the first couple of games of the season. And we, anyone who drafted him sort of thought, well, man, is he even going to play 50 games this season? And he only, I think he ended up playing like 76. Like he only I think missed 77. 77. 
believe, yeah, believe 77. Yeah, so five games. And I think he missed the first two and, and three of the first four or something like that. So for the rest of the season, he basically played every game. So what did, did his knee all of a sudden get better? Um, it didn't look to be bothering him, whereas the season before you could tell that he was playing with an injury. This season wasn't as noticeable. So I think in terms of his dynasty value, he's, he's probably sort of top, like where he was this season, top 50 kind of guy. Um, if DeRozan was to go, and because he might at some point go, hey, I want to go and chase a ring here and, and go to another team for less money, then I think Levine could step into the top 30 again. Um, I don't think he'll ever be a first-round player. I don't think he'll ever be a second-rounder, really. I just think the depth now in that in that top 20 is is too much for him to crack it. So, yeah, look, I think there, there is scope for him to be a top 30, maybe, but he would need uh, DeRozan, I think, to be gone for that to happen. And I mentioned DeRozan is, I think he'll be 34 and Vooch will be 33 at the start of next season. Do you think we could see some of that decline from them this season? I mean, Vooch was 27th and DeRozan was 28th in nine cat value per game. Um, both of them, along with Levine, played a ton of games. Do you think that this is, I mean, I think Vooch didn't even miss a game. He played 82 and then two play-in games. He, he didn't miss a game. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, they're just getting to that age. Not everybody's LeBron. Not everybody can play at a high level till they're 39. Do you think it's like within the next two years or so, you know, even if Chicago keeps kind of going all in on trying to win games, eventually those guys are just going to not be as good. I mean, the age is just going to catch up with them. And then like, how quickly do you think that happens? Do you think it's one to two seasons? Do you think it's three to four? Like, where are you kind of projecting them? Yeah, I think for, I think for DeRozan, it's probably, I think we might start to see it this year. Um, I mean, he is one of those guys, like he doesn't, he doesn't really play above the rim, doesn't hit a lot of threes. He, his game is built around mid-range uh, mid um, efficiency. He's, a, he's an okay passer, but um, I think we'll start to see a little bit of a decline. And we're seeing it from Chris Paul already. I mean, Chris Paul is a couple of years older than him. But we've seen we're seeing him. Well, these injuries, obviously, which are frustrating for Suns fans at the moment, although they have been winning. Um, he's got little injuries going on. I think we'll see the same with DeRozan. I think like hamstrings, knees, things like that will just start to to cost him games. Um, not anything that where he's sort of going to miss two months. You can't foresee an injury like that. But I, I think they'll have to manage him a little bit. So I think we see a decline probably from him. In terms of Vooch, um, I don't know. Like I said, he he was really good this year. Like He was better than I thought he'd be. Uh, he was very durable, and, and he's always been relatively durable. He's a little bit – I mean, he's not as good as Nikola Jokic, but he's in the same mould that he doesn't – he also doesn't play above the rim. He's not a big shot blocker. Um He's got enough size that he can he can hold his own in the key. He's but without getting banged around like we're going to see from like Chet and and Wembenyama when they come in, some of these skinnier guys. So he can hold his own in there, but he doesn't play a, a sort of a high risk game where where he's at going to be at risk of these of these injuries. So I think he could probably just plug away and, and keep 
sort of doing being a 15, 16 point scorer with nine rebounds, maybe a block close to a steal. He he can hit threes. He's good from the free throw line. Like he's got a fairly safe floor. Um, so I think he'll be he'll be okay at least for the next couple of years. Although it does depend on where he is, whether he stays in Chicago because he could. Chicago don't care that he doesn't play defense at the moment, but if if he if they change their philosophy and start going, well, hang on, we need to play defense to win games, or he goes to another team, he could very well end up being sort of a a twenty four minute backup guy as well. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But I think this year, there, what you said, they were ranked twenty seven and twenty nine or something yeah. um, last season. I think their ADPs will be lower than that. I'm pretty confident that both will probably go in the fourth round. Um, and and again, like you, you might get Vooch at 45 and he ends up being the 32nd ranked player. So I think there's still a little bit of value there if you, if you are looking at them for next season. But yeah, I think a decline is coming. It has to at that age, but, but both players are, um, yeah, they're not, they're not like your Jarmorants and these guys who could come down and, break an ankle or break an arm. Um, they stay pretty grounded. Yeah, with how athletic DeRozan is and especially how he was at the beginning of his career, it's pretty crazy to think. When you mm. said he's not an above-the-rim player, I was like, yeah, I guess he's not. But, like, for so long, like, he was built yeah. on athleticism, yeah. which is just kind of crazy to see how he's molded his game. For Vooch, I was looking this up the other day. Aside from his rookie season, he's only finished outside the top 40 one time. And he finished 48th in the in 2016-17. Okay. So he's been, which is kind of crazy that he's since the year two, he's been doing it for about a decade, which it doesn't feel like, you know, he's been dominating fantasy basketball for a decade, but mm. maybe, maybe some other people will view it that way. Um, but then I feel like this also hasn't been talked about much. He's an unrestricted free agent right now. Like, okay. There was talks about him. I remember like slight rumors about, you know, maybe they'll trade him at the deadline just because, they need to see if they're going to get something back for him, for him. Mm. But now he's an unrestricted free agent. He could just sign somewhere else. I don't know that he will. I think, you know, reports were kind of saying that he wanted to be back. Will he get paid somewhere else? I don't know. So I would assume he's back. There's nothing that's made me kind of think maybe he's going to leave, but he's technically an unrestricted free agent. So they, they're going to have to decide to, how much they're going to pay him. Could he go somewhere else? I mean, that would impact a lot of things for both them and his value. But maybe it's just because the playoffs are going on and the season isn't over yet, so nobody cares about free agents. But I, I, I don't know. I just feel like that hasn't been talked about much at all. Yeah, no, look, it hasn't. It will be. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to to know. Like, I don't think, I don't think anyone's going to pay up to get him. They're not going to go, hey, we need Vucevic. He's the key to unlocking our a title for us. Um but as I said, he's, he's got a really safe floor. If you don't need him to defend, if you don't have to rely on him as a rim protector or anything like that, he can be really solid, whether it's off the bench or, or as a starter. But the Bulls themselves, I mean, if they were, if he leaves, the, uh, well, like who is their backup? <laughs> it's, Andre it's Drummond. Drummond. It's Drummond <laughs> or Derek Jones or... There we go. And, and, and as we've seen, like Andre Drummond is not, he he just can't hang in 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 the the league the way it is at the moment. He's his drop off was pretty rapid. He'll get from, fifteen rebounds in twenty minutes, but oh yeah, yeah, he'll get it. rebounds. <laughs> but he, he can't defend. He can't score. 
Um, I mean, he's not a terrible passer, but I wouldn't say that you'd run the offense through him like you can with, with a Vucevic. So, yeah, look, I don't know what, as you, I mean, the, the whole point of this discussion is what's the Bulls' direction? Well, if Vooch goes, I have no idea what they're going to do at center. They're going to have to sign someone, but I don't know who's out there that they could sign. I mean, if, if he walks at that point, you have to just kind of evaluate and say, we need to probably trade DeRozan too. We need to get something for him. Probably, probably need to trade Levine. I don't know. Maybe that's just me and my tanking mindset of just trading everybody good and just getting a bunch of draft picks and being in it for the long haul because that's my favorite part of Dynasty. But I don't know. I think that you got to go on some way. I think the Bulls, like for me, the Bulls, they've got such this, uh, such a well-documented history of success with Jordan and through the 90s. Um, and then a little bit when Derek Rose, like peak Derek Rose was there, they weren't super successful, but but they were good. Um, they almost, and I think there's a few teams that fit this this mold of, they just, they can't get their minds around not tanking, but rebuilding. Like they, it's like they always, they're always trying to rebuild on the fly and add pieces in who are a bit older. And they, they never just go, look, we're at a point now where these guys are old. We need to just trade everyone, get some assets, get some draft picks. We need to suck for three years. And I mean, there's so many examples of it working. Like look at the thunder. Now they're, they're primed for the next, three, four, five, six years to be a playoff team. Um, Memphis did the same sort of thing. Um, Timberwolves haven't really. They're just frustrating. But the Wizards <laughs> did that as well. Like the Wizards just constantly are trying to rebuild on the fly. The, the and, Timberwolves. The Timberwolves were sucking on purpose to, to tank, right? They it, it was up to them. They could have been good, but they were sucking on purpose. That's what it Absolutely. was. Absolutely. That's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I don't know. For the Bulls, like I think, as you said, if, if Vooch goes, they need to go, okay, we need to trade DeRozan. And then they need to go, well, is Levine the guy that we can build around? And at the moment, maybe, but he is 28, as you said. So he's going to be early thirties in a few years. And, and then he's probably not the guy you want to build around. So a lot of decisions need to be made in, in Chicago, I think in the next three, four months. Yeah. And they have a number of other younger guys with plenty of fantasy or dynasty potential, Patrick Williams, Dale and Terry. I want to say there's one more at least, or else I'm going to sound like I'm being really nice to them. And maybe I shouldn't be <laughs> Kobe. Oh, White. Look, I- yeah, look, Kobe Kobe White was was actually intriguing at the end of the season. I think um, I think I listened in like Josh is doing his team reviews and stuff like that, and and he was talking about the Bulls and their best lineups. And Kobe White's in a lot of those, and he he can score from the perimeter. The Bulls don't have anyone that can score from the perimeter. Lonzo was another guy that that fit that that need for them. So Kobe White's intriguing. Like I don't, he's not a guy that's going to blow up and sort of go for 40 and that sort of thing. But he, he could be a 18, 20 point scorer, um, four threes. Um, he's pretty efficient, not a terrible passer. So he's an interesting one. Um, Patrick Williams. Uh, yeah, I'm not sold on Patrick Williams. I, we've seen glimpses, but he, his offensive game is pretty limited. Dale and Terry will, we didn't see much of him this year. Um, right. 
I think there's still some upside there, but we, we just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and a team that you mentioned that has plenty of upside, should be in the playoffs, has a million draft picks, the Thunder. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about them next. They have, I mean, I can just go down the list. Uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Josh Giddy. I mean, there's Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren, <laughs> Poku, the other Jalen Williams. I mean, you have Lou Dort, Usman, Usman Jiang. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, And then a million draft picks. They surprisingly only have one first-round pick in this draft, their own, and then they have two early seconds. But, I I mean, they probably have four, an average of four firsts a year for the next four or five years. I don't don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head. No one does. But, I mean, they could probably field a whole other team just off first-round picks over the next four or five drafts which is kind of crazy to think with all the talent they already have. I mean, SGA is, was, I think, third in nine cat yep. this season, and he's like 25. We haven't even seen Chet play. Jalen Williams, all-rookie first team, Josh Giddy. I mean, I guess if, if you're Sam Presti and you're playing GM, what do you kind of do with all these picks and all these young guys? I mean, you have guys that just – I mean, could make impacts if they're able to get an opportunity, but they can't get one here because they have so much young talent. I mean, what do you kind of do? Do you consolidate at some point or do you just kind of let it go at this point? Um, Yeah, look, I I don't know. It's hard. Like they've rebuilt. It's just been coming for so long. Like we've, they've been the team that's rebuilding, they're rebuilding. And now we're here where, as you said, they've got, I mean, I'm not I'm not an expert in dynasty, but I would say they've got four top forty, top thirty five dynasty. You'd probably players. make an argument for higher, but yeah. <laughs> like I think I think Shay Shay is a top five dynasty guy. That's it. Um, Chet, we haven't seen, but I know people are pretty high on him. He's probably I would say he's top fifteen, top twenty. Um, and then Giddy and Jalen Williams would have to both be sort of third round, like top 35 players maybe. Yeah. Um, and then they're going to get some draft picks this year. Like, Who are they going to add? Um, Jeng was – he showed a lot down the stretch this season. They gave him more minutes. Um, he played – pretty sure he played here in Australia last year. Um, I believe so. Yeah, and, and, and we saw little bits as well. Um, often when, the, when these guys play here in Australia, they don't get huge minutes. Uh, Lon, uh, Lamello was the same. He played here for for a season, and we saw he, he was probably only playing sort of twenty four minutes a night, twenty like twenty five minutes a night, um, because he was only whatever he was at the time eighteen or something. He was really right. young. So, um, yeah, look, I think for the Thunder, they would they probably need to well see who they draft, but I think I think if we look at their team and you go, okay, what do we need to, because guard, they've got guards. We don't need to worry about that. They've got wing defenders. We don't need to worry about that. They've got, they, they could probably, oh, I mean, so they could do with some perimeter scoring, but Isaiah Joe was pretty good this year. Like uh, I think he's probably going to stick yeah. around. Um, he's a perfect fit alongside Shea and Josh Giddy. Um, it's probably a center that that's, sort of where they need because I don't think Chet I mean he's pretty tall I don't know how tall he is but I don't think they can play him at yeah I'm not sure he can play at center um 
he's going to be more like like Wembenyama. I think he's going to play at the four uh, and, and stretch the floor. So it's really because they had the other Jalen Williams this season play a lot of, of center. Um, they've got Robinson Earl who can play a little bit of center, but that for me is is probably the piece they need. And so whether they package two first rounders, um, I don't know who who they'd trade away, but whether they do make a bit of a package and make a play for a, a center, um, I don't know, maybe Vooch. Like, do they need the, the rim protection if they've got Chet? Because <laughs> Chet can protect the rim. Um, Vooch can spread the floor. He can pass. I, I don't know. But that, that for me would be the next step for them is to try and find a center who... Vooch is a bit older, but is their window the next three years? Because if it is, then Vooch might fit that. And they may not need rim protection. I mean, they were running with a 6'8 and 6'9 center for most of the season. I mean, they were had no problem using small lineups. So if, if no. Chet's there as well, definitely. Yeah, Poku's there still. I don't know. I don't know where Poku fits go. in all of this. <laughs> but um, but Shea, I mean, Shea himself is gets is a great shot blocker from the guard position. Um you wouldn't call him a rim protector, but uh, their ability to defend the perimeter and 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 stop the offense before it even gets to the rim, I think that's a real positive for them too. Now I'm just going to throw out this random hypothetical that I just thought of. If if you're if your team, you know, you win the lottery, cool, you got Victor Wembanyama, but then the Thunder coming off for you, their first this year and every other first that they have for the next four years, and that's like <laughs> seventeen or however many firsts it is. Yeah. Do you take that, or do you say, no, this is Victor Wembanyama, this is generational, I don't care about 17 or whatever firsts? Uh, probably depends a little bit on the team, because <laughs> uh, some teams, but I, That's would, crazy. I, I don't think I don't think any team would do that. Like I, I just That's think the, the revenue that Wembanyama is going to bring, like not let alone his his gifts and his ability and his talent, but just the the media attention globally, the money the ticket sales, the merchandise, everything that's going to come with him is going to just build it, like put it, whoever gets him, they're going to be set for the next decade. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking real quick. I think it is four next year, four the year after, three the year after that, and then two the year after that. So not quite 17. So I guess it would be like 13 first over the next four years. And then including this year, I guess it could also be 14. So yeah, I just think it's. I, I think it's fun that it's a debate that this guy <laughs> could be worth 14 first round draft picks, and I'm not saying he's like. I'm not saying I would or wouldn't. I'm just saying it's just interesting that you could probably have a debate about whether this singular player is worth yeah. 14 first round picks. I just think you'd have really to. Con- cool. I think you'd have to consider it, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But but as, as you said, like he he's arguably the best prospect of all time, and you don't know where those picks are going to be if if the Thunder are good then those first-round picks won't be top 10 or anything like that. They'll be in the 20s. And, I mean, how good is like – how many 20, 25 – like, in terms of where they're drafted, players who are drafted in that range, how many turn out to be superstars? Not not a ton. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's certainly a discussion, but I'm just not sure teams right. would do it. And, and if they did, what would the – what would the fan base, what would their reaction be? It would be, hey, we've got Wembenyama. 
no, we've just traded him away. <laughs> I don't know if that would end well. I think 95% of fans would be just pissed off. And there's going to be 5% that are going to spend the next five years just doing tankathon <laughs> simulations and looking at every yeah. mock draft possible and just ecstatic about getting 13 or 14 more players in the first round. But yeah. I would, I can't say I'd, I'd be happy if my team traded away the rights to Wemby. No, um, no. <laughs> do you think, I mean, we could talk about individual players, but I think like SGA, I mean, you mentioned four guys that are in the top 40 at least for nine cat dynasty leagues. I mean, you have a couple other guys that have upside, like where does Isaiah Joe fit? Does he play enough that he could maybe have some sort of upside? Like Us- Usman Jiang, like does he ever get enough minutes to kind of expand on his potential? Same thing with Poku. I guess, do you think that if some of these talents were on different teams, like how much do you think all of them playing together limits their fantasy upside? Because, I mean, we saw SGA finish third, but that was before Chet was even mm. on the court. And where what does that look like two or three years down the road, you know, keeping all these guys, adding in these other first-round picks? Do you think it's – is there anybody – I guess I'll just – this this will be my actual question. Do you think that they're sorry, I just started rambling. Uh, do you think that there's some guys on this team that may have upside but just may never get the chance because of how much talent they have? Um, well, Shay, no. Like, I think we've seen – like, Shay is the guy there. He's So I think we don't need to worry about him. Um, Chet. Chet, I guess, is the question mark because we haven't even seen him play. We saw him play one summer league game, I think, and all, all yeah, preseason, preseason, or one preseason, whatever it was, and he looked good. Like I think he 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 did what we thought he would do. Um, it's probably I don't know. For me, it might be Jalen Williams would be the the one there that there's just some question marks. Like he was he was great this season, uh, especially over the back third. Of the season, he led the league in steals. Um, he was efficient. He was scoring. He was passing. He was he was doing everything. So, I, th- I think his floor is relatively safe because he doesn't need the ball to to get stats and to get value. But bring Chet in there. Where does Jalen Williams fit, especially on offense? Like I, I think he's. You could say, well, Shea is option number one. Chet maybe is going to be option two, maybe three. Um, Josh Giddy, I don't know if you'd have him ahead of Jalen Williams. They're probably sort of their level third options, but but Isaiah Joe's there, and and if you if you've got Isaiah Joe on your team as a scorer, then he needs to be scoring to to do his job and to have value. Um, so yeah, I think Williams would just be the key, the, the question mark for me. Like I think. He's probably going to be hyped a little bit based on what he did to end this season. So heading into next season, um, he could be overdrafted slightly. Like he might go sort of top top 40 and he might only end up being a top 60 kind of player next season. Um, but it is hard to know without – like Chet, Chet is the key there. We, we don't know exactly how they're going to use him and what he's going to look like. And oh, as well, who, who do they get in the draft this season? Um, so – yeah, I'm not worried about Shea. I'm not really worried about Josh Giddy. I think, I think he's, again, he he's got 
he's set in his role. Um, he doesn't need to score a lot, but he's a really good rebounder from the guard position. Uh, I think we saw pretty significant improvement in his in his ability to score this season from from one season to the next. He he's improved three point stroke. Um, we're all here excited here. They've just announced our Boomers squad um, for the World. I think it's the World Cup trials or whatever it is, and and Giddy's in there, and and he's seen as the future of Australian basketball. Um, ben Simmons, not so much. <laughs> he he wasn't picked in, in the team, and I know we're going to slowly transition into his team uh, in a minute. Um, but yeah, Giddy for me, I think looks looks apart, and I, I th- I'm not too worried about him either. Yeah, and I think you know, as I was asking the question and as you were answering, it's they all fit so well. I mean, Josh or excuse me, Jalen Williams, he doesn't need the ball a ton. Like he his usage rate was 18.2. Like he's efficient with it. He does a lot of his work with with like a lot of his value is from steals, but he's efficient. Yeah. He's an efficient scorer, so doesn't need the ball in his hands. So I think everybody just kind of, this is a really well-built team so far. And I just, I can't think that that won't continue. I think that they're continuing to build a team that everybody just kind of fits well and plays well together. I mean, the Thunder are going to have a chance to compete for a lot of championships over the next decade because of their, I mean, it was only a two-year tank. It's just, it's kind of crazy to think they were, they were in the playoffs. I think it was uh, the Chris Paul team that was in the playoffs. And then he was gone, and then it was two years of tanking. And I thought it was going to be a third this season, but it wasn't. And now they're they're a playoff team. So it's, they're going to be good for a very, very long time. Yeah, I think everyone thought this year was going to be a tank, especially when Chet went down. And, and that went, okay, they're going to tank. We're not drafting SGA as high. We're bumping him down. And that's why his ADP was so low. With Wembenyama on the board, why are you choosing this year to start playing competitive basketball? You already yeah. had the excuse of Chet not being able to play. It seemed like a golden opportunity to just tank for one more season. But I mean, I respect the uh, the push for the playoffs, and they almost did it. They almost did it. They did. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I mean, they didn't make the playoffs, but I think you could argue that over the last month they were they were definitely a playoff team. Yeah, and then yeah, we'll we'll transition to the final team. And we'll talk about Australian basketball superstar Ben Simmons. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. Mean, uh, I did see reports that there were there was at least talk of him being on the team, but I guess you said that didn't that didn't happen. No, so he he wasn't picked. Um, they there have been discussions uh, from from what I've read. Um, I'm just going to bring up the, yeah. the team here. Ended squad. Here we go. So, squad has voiced that he would like to be on the team, um, and the coach is um, oh, what's his name? Can't even really give his name. He was the Sixers coach. Only Sixers know. coach I know is Brett Brown. I yeah, Brett be, Brown. Yeah, Brett, okay, Brett, Brett Brown okay, cool. is, is, I think the wow, the coach. Um, so. They he he's sort of come out and said that we we haven't picked him, but that's because of the back thing. It's it's we just don't think he'll be ready for the because I think they're playing in I think it's August, so late August. Um, but they've sort of said, look, if he can prove that he's healthy and prove that he's fit, then we we would consider adding him to the squad. So they haven't ruled out that he won't play. They're just very aware of the issues he's had with his back and his health. 
and they want to give him all the time he can. Um, but the squad looks solid, like in terms of players that, that I mean, this is a bit off topic, sorry, but it's, it's, no, it's on topic for, for us here in <laughs> Australia. Um, so, yeah, in terms of players that, that US fans would know, um, we've got or Matthew Delvadova. He's, he's obviously nowhere near the peak of his career, but he's still, <laughs> he's still a solid defender and a good guy. Um, Dante Exum, who's playing in Europe somewhere. Um, Josh Giddy, uh, Joe Ingalls, Jock Landale, who's making a bit of a name for himself at the there moment with the Suns. Um, Best center on the team. Yeah, well, arguably, yes. Uh, Paddy Mills, <laughs> Matisse Thibault, Dyson Daniels, and Xavier Cooks, who ended Xavier Cooks ended the season with the Wizards. I think he signed with the yeah. Wizards for for the next couple of years, maybe. I think he did. Um, yeah. So, so we've got. I mean, every time the Australian squad is picked, we're seeing more and more NBA because we've just got more guys over there now, which is, which is good. And yeah, Simmons, I mean, it's a hot topic here. Like you talk to anyone who's in basketball <laughs> circles, do we want Simmons to play? Don't we want him to play? Probably the, at the moment, the overwhelming response is no, we don't need him. Um, but the fact that he's been available previously and turned down the opportunity to play I think that sticks with a lot of fans over here. They're like, well, if you don't want to play for us, we don't want you now that now yeah. that you're not the superstar that you were and, and you don't you're not getting all the attention, you now want to come and play for us. Well, sorry, bad luck. But I personally I, I think if he's available, you need to have him on the team. Because if he's healthy, we know what he can do. That's a that's a big if though. That's a big, big if. if. If they're still big talking if. about the back thing and you said it it's three months away. Yeah, like that's. Um, I'm gonna get even more off topic now, just because you brought up a name I want to ask you about. Uh, Dante Exum. What when he was? I mean, when he was coming out uh, or into the draft in 2014, did, I think he went fifth to the Jazz fifth, or something. Yeah, fifth sounds about right. What were your thoughts on Dante Exum heading into that draft? Because I know I think he did like really well at a specific camp against some of those top guys, and his name got really big and then obviously it just never really panned out the way somebody that was picked fifth should what were your did you think he was a top five guy or did you think that that was kind of high um i'm just having a look i i remember when he came in i mean we were obviously um we were obviously all pretty excited like here in australia we like to see our guys be be picked anywhere um I'm just having a look at the uh, the draft class because I have. Yeah, I sorry to put you on the spot like this. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> um, I remember thinking that when he was picked, it felt a little bit high, um, based it's on. Like, yeah. Yeah. So he went fifth. So he went ahead of. I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing. You look back. <laughs> For who sure. Was drafted. It's not a. <clears throat> so that was the Andrew Wiggins draft. Yep. Um, and if you scroll through the names who were picked, I mean, there's there's guys there that are that are still playing. Well, Jokic went in that draft. God, um, yeah, but <laughs> he's an he's an outlier. He went at pick forty one. Wow. Have you seen the? Uh, uh, they have like the pick the screenshot of when his pick went up on TV. It was like during a Taco Bell commercial. Like they didn't show his face or his highlights at all. It was just a Taco Bell commercial. And then he oh, wow. turns to the MVP. That's 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 a pretty cool yeah. story. 
Yeah, I mean, Giannis is much the same. He was picked in the 30s, I think, from from memory or quite late anyway. I think he was just outside the lottery. I think he was 15. Oh, was he but that still. high? That's what he was. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if you look at the, the draft that he went in, Embiid went in that draft, but Exum went ahead of Marcus Smart, Julius Randle, uh, Zach Levine. Um, but there are a number of guys there that were picked. Jabari Parker, I mean – He's right. not in the league anymore. Um, Nick Stauskas, Noah Vonley, Alfred Payton, Doug McDermott, Dario Saric, Adrian Payne, James Young, Tyler Ennis. So a lot of guys there that aren't in the league anymore. So I think he was just – Exum was sort of right place, right time. I think he he impressed who he needed to impress when he needed to impress them and yeah. and was picked. And, and, look, he had his moments. Like, the, he, he – he did have some good um, points in his career, but he, he he battled a lot of injuries. I remember early in his career he, and, and quite significant ones that would cause him to miss a whole season or half a season. So I think the idea of him going to Europe is to play in a league that's physically still quite – it takes a toll on your body, so you still need to be healthy. And But the – the schedule is nowhere near as daunting as the the NBA, um, so it's it's the same physicality that sort of thing, but with a third of the games. So the idea yeah. is that he that he can get his body right, and then maybe maybe he can get back into the league at some point. But I mean, what that draft was ten nine years ago, so he'd have to, I don't know how old he is now, but he'd have to be probably twenty seven, twenty eight. He was pretty young, if I remember. Yeah, he might be. Let me just have a look. Ninety, so ninety-five. He was born. Yeah, so so he'd okay. be uh, turning twenty-eight this year. So, I mean, theoretically, he he could he could come back into the league or make himself available. Um, yeah, he was it was just a bit of an odd fit as well. Like he's not a good perimeter scorer. Um, I don't know if you saw a video recently. There, I forget what league he's playing in, but there was a huge brawl. Um, in the league that he was played in, he was body slammed. Oh, someone, someone. If you if you just Google sort of, I'll have to. Um, <laughs> basketball fight Dante Exum, it'll come up. And he was he was picked up by um, it was an old NBA player. I can't think who it was, but he he basically, if you think of WWE wrestling uh, and Brock Brock Lesnar doing a belly to back suplex, that's what happened to Dante Exum in the game. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it says. Um, former Celtic Gershon Yabuselli. Uh, Yabuselli, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know who that is. I I never had to pronounce his name before. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. So there you yeah. go. For anyone who didn't – we saw it here because we, it, it, it Dante Exum, so we, we he pops up in the news. But if you didn't see it, anyone, anyone that's listening, <laughs> Google it. It's a pretty full-on fight. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think we can get any more off-topic than that. No, we so can't. we'll actually – Try to get back on topic and uh, talk about the Nets. See, we yep. okay. We got there from Ben Simmons. Gotcha. We won't talk about Ben Simmons anymore. I'm pretty sure. No. You know, last season I was kind of giving him. I thought he was going to do it. I thought he was going to finally make the comeback and be the player. Yeah. But I, I think I'm kind of out now. I've kind of lost faith. Yeah, I, I was the same. I, I drafted him in at least one league, and I thought this is his time. He's supposedly healthy and he's good to go. And um. Yeah, it obviously didn't work out. I held him as long as I could, um, but then had to just 
let him loose and, and picked up someone else. And next season, I don't know. I guess I guess if he's well, we sort of need to see where he's at, who he's playing yeah. with, if he's healthy, that sort of thing. I mean, the the pieces are still there for him to be a fantasy relevant player, but if he's not if he's not going to look to score, then yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to see him as a as a must draft player. Yeah, I think. I mean, we'll see what his ADP is, but if he ends up tanking that so far that in redraft leagues he's not even being drafted or is being a last yeah. round guy, I'd I'd have no problem taking Ben Simmons as my flyer in the last round. Like that's fine with me. But yeah, oh yeah, look, I, yeah, I think a top hundred, no. Top one twenty, eh, maybe. But if you can get him at one forty, um, and you just see what happens in the first week of the season because he could be like, we know what he can do. He can be a 15 point scorer with eight assists, eight rebounds, 1.6 steals. That's valuable. If you can get that at pick 140, but it's, it's really going to come down to his physical health and his mental health, I think, and and where he's at and where the nets, how they view him and, and whether they see him as a piece of what they're doing now. Yeah. And so the nets, you know, Swept by the 76ers, kind of finished the season pretty well, considering it was basically a new team after the trade deadline. I mean, there was talks of Mikhail Bridges saying, yeah, the reason I'm scoring so much is because they had an offense designed around getting KD and Kyrie ISOs. So now I'm getting ISOs, and it's great. But it may look a little different next season, but they'll add picks 21 and 22 because they have the Suns first as well. Just a, a nice hodgepodge of talent. When I was looking them up the other day, it was just weird because I was like, Steve Nash was really coaching this team at the beginning of the season. It's just such been a, it's such a wild ride for them that it's that's kind of in the back of my mind. Like Steve Nash coaching felt like years ago, not the beginning mm. of this past season. But um, you know, Bridges, Nick Claxton, Cam Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal, Cam Thomas, they have like a number of guys that are fun. I guess we can start with Bridges who I don't remember exactly. Let me see where exactly he finished in nine cat. He finished 34th in nine cat. Um, I guess he had stretches where he was scoring. Like, I mean, he did really well for some of the playoff games scoring the 25 to 30 points down the stretch. Do you think, do you think he's going to kind of stick around that top 40 value as kind of the face of the franchise, how high do you think he can go? Yeah, look, he might. I think it will depend on what the Nets want to do next season and whether they're still classing themselves as a as a rebuild and we're we're trying to build for three years into the future, or whether they're like, no, no, we want to compete now. Because I don't think he can be the first, the main guy like on a championship team. I, I can't see them winning um, if they're relying on him to be their main option on offense so it really depends on i think what their philosophy is for the next 12 24 months we saw like if he's in exactly the same role next season with similar pieces around him then i think he'll be a top 30 guy like we saw it i don't think he'll be first i can't see him being a first rounder um which he was for periods i think down the stretch this season but yeah he's he could be someone that's overdrafted a little bit next season as well, based on how well he ended the season. Um, I'd probably see him 
dynasty wise, I think he's probably top thirty kind of kind of guy. Like I think he's we saw in Phoenix, like his floor is fairly safe as well because he he's a good defender. He's I mean my my worry is that an injury is coming because <laughs> he hasn't missed a game ever. He'll play through. Um, well, God, can you play for an ACL? Broken, he'll play through it. Broken leg. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know. That, that's my concern. Like, I just, it's very rare that a player can stay healthy for the the amount of time that uh, that he has. In saying that, LeBron was always pretty healthy, um, but we saw with like Carl Anthony Towns, he didn't miss a game for the first what three years or something of his career, and then since then he struggled to stay on the court. So. That's always in the back of my mind. I'm never going to wish an injury on anyone, but I just think that, I mean, anyone who's played basketball, it's so easy to land on someone's foot and sprain your ankle badly and have to miss six weeks. It just happens, and we see it. It happens all the time. Um, A knee injury can come out of nowhere. So I'm a little worried about that, but I, I still think, look, if he's, as I said, if he's, Exactly the same as we are now. I think he's probably a top 30 player next season, um, back end of the second round maybe because of the durability thing. But he could be overdrafted a little bit if the Nets do sign or trade for for someone else. And As you said, they've got a few pieces. They've got some interesting pieces that they could put up in as part of a trade package if they did want to bring in another superstar. But as we've seen in the last three years, that <laughs> that philosophy of a, a top-heavy team has not worked for them. So uh, it would surprise me if they wanted to go down that path again. Yeah, and the other guy on the team that's probably also a top 30, maybe around top 30 dynasty asset, I guess depends on how much you focus on the future versus right now, but Nick Claxton, uh, after the trade deadline, he finished 21st. In nine cat, I believe over the course of the season, he was 25th. So huge breakout season for him. Averaged two and a half blocks, shot 70.6% from the field, nearly a double double with 9.2 rebounds. He shot 54.3% from the free throw line, which is awful, but he only took 3.2 per game. So it's not destroying you the way that a guy like Giannis is. Do you think that this is kind of something that he can maintain? Do you think, like, how much more of a ceiling is there for him? Or I'm not saying, you know, 12, 13 points, 10 rebounds, two, two and a half blocks is bad because it's not. It's great. But is there much more of a ceiling for him to reach? Or even at his, I mean, he's young. He's, if, it, if my wife file load, let me tell me his exact age. He's young. So there's, in theory, 24. he's 24. There we go. Yep. Uh, there's There's got to be room for something, but I'm not really seeing the path for his for him to improve on much. Yeah, I, I think he can probably get better, but not not a lot better. Like I don't I don't see him adding a three point shot to his game, um, or even extending beyond sort of four feet. Like he he doesn't take a lot of. Maybe he can add a semi-reliable mid-range, but we, like he's not a good free-throw shooter either. Normally, those guys that will add that can can actually shoot from the free-throw line, and he's he's not a good free-throw shooter. Yeah. So I think offensively, there's a pretty strong cap on, on what he can do. Like it, there's only, Especially with the way the game is played now, with, it's, it's played away from the rim. 
um, a lot on offense. So I think, I mean, wh- what did you say average this year? Like 14 points or 12 uh, points? Yeah, 12.5. 12. So maybe he can get to 15, 14. Um, but I don't really see the Nets ever, well, not the way they are now. I don't see them sort of going, okay, we, we need to run an offense for Claxton, for Nick Claxton. Like we, we need to utilize him more um, and get the ball to him because he hasn't shown yet the ability to be a, a really strong post player. It's all put back dunks, alley-oop dunks, um, which is great for efficiency. Like he, his efficiency is, is good, but for him to take that next step, I think he needs to be sort of sticking at that efficiency, but on higher volume. Um, and that that's probably not going to happen significantly. Um, rebounds, look, I think, I mean, he's going to be a close to a double-digit rebounder again. I, I think that's that's fairly safe to assume. The The issue then is the blocks. And, it, and he's, he's always going to be a good shot blocker, I think. But if that even drops to 2.1 from 2.5, that's a pretty significant hit in terms of fantasy value. We know with the low volume stats that it doesn't take much for your ranking to drop from like 25 to 45 if he was just to drop half a block a game, which still would make leave him as an elite shot blocker. Two shot, two blocks a game is elite, but it's a big difference from two to 2.5. Yeah, I haven't watched enough of him to really like make sure I'm making this comparison correctly. I haven't watched enough clacks is what I'm saying. I, he reminds me from a fantasy like production standpoint of like a Clint Capella, where he's like yeah. low, like low but double digit scoring, around double digit rebounding. I mean, he had averaged more blocks. I'm not sure what Capella's career high for blocks was. I don't know if it was ever two and a half, but high field goal percentage, low free throw percentage, but low volume. So, you know, could he improve on his rebounds a little bit? Maybe he played 29.8 minutes per game. That could go up a little bit. Maybe not a ton, but like you said, if he's not getting two and a half blocks, he's probably not finishing in the top twenty-five. It doesn't matter what else he does. But I think that that kind of provides him with a floor of he's probably going to be. Doesn't really matter how bad of a season he's having; he's probably going to be at least top seventy-five. Yeah, I think so. I, I think his his floor is pretty safe because of the blocks, the rebounds, the efficiency. So he's got enough to fall back on. I just don't think, as you said, I don't think there's a lot of space for him to go up. Like I think, I think top thirty is probably where where he he'll end. And I, but I don't think he can get inside the top twenty. And just looking at Capella's last few seasons, a um, couple of seasons ago, fifteen, fifteen and fourteen with two blocks, and he was the twenty third ranked player. 14 and 14 with 1.8 blocks. He was the 25th ranked player. So I think we could sort of have Claxton there, like 15 points, maybe not 15 rebounds. I'm not sure he'll get that high, but maybe 12, 11. Um, but with 2.1, 2.2 blocks, probably a top 25, top 30 player. Yeah. And I know we're going a little long, so we'll just talk about one more guy that's pretty much just fun to talk about. I don't know if anybody's really – taking him super seriously, but Cam Thomas had a bunch of 40-point games and then all of a sudden was getting some DNP coaches' decisions and just wasn't a large part. I thought after the trade deadline, I was like, okay, he scored 43 games in a row. You have to at least have him be sixth-man scoring option off the bench. Like That's worst-case scenario, but really this guy should probably be starting. And then I think once everybody 
was kind of healthy. It's like, yeah, it didn't make sense for him to start over Bridges, Cam Johnson, or Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, obviously, that doesn't make sense. And they have enough offense there. Probably need to go defense with Dorian Finney-Smith. Like, that's fine. He can come off the bench to be the sixth man. And then he's playing like seven minutes a night if he gets in the game. Is there any hope for Cam Thomas in Brooklyn? Is there any hope for Cam Thomas if he goes somewhere else? Or is it just going to kind of be more of the same and he's on the Dion Waiters career path? Yeah, I'm a bit worried he's on that Dion Waiters career path. Um, <laughs> offensively, yeah, look, I mean, we've we've seen what he can do, but what what he needs to to have in place to be able to do that just isn't going to happen. Like he need the Nets were had no one available. He his usage was stupidly high. Um, they were just at a when playing him, they're just going, "Hey, we don't care about defense. All we want to do is outscore you." Um, so I I don't know. I mean, next season I think it depends a bit on again where the Nets view like where they view themselves and whether they think, hey, we're gonna we're just gonna tear it down and rebuild. Because if they do that, then they'll probably just keep him on and here you go, go and score 40, 30 a game. Um, so sell tickets. Bit, yeah, yeah. A little bit like um I don't know, like what uh Boyan Bogdanovich did in Detroit. Just go shoot the ball, score. We don't care if we win. But if the Nets go, okay, we've got McCall Bridges, we've got Cam Johnson, we've got Claxton, we've got some good young pieces here. Let's let's make a run at this. Then I think we saw this year, they don't see Cam Thomas as a part of success for them. Well, maybe if they just decide they're going to try and outscore everybody and give it a maybe. go in the playoffs. Cause that's, that's a great playoff strategy, right? Who cares about defense in the playoffs? It's all about trying to outscore people. Well, the Lakers are doing it pretty well at the moment. So. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. All right. That'll do it for our dynasty talk before we go. Adam, if anybody was interested in getting into content creation, whether it be podcasts, written work, or just doing Twitter threads and just being involved in the fantasy community, what advice would you give to somebody that's interested in doing that? Um, oh, look, I, I mean, it, it's, I think it's the first thing you can do if, if you want to, well, you can just do it off your own back. If, if you want to start, there are a number of people that just do it because they want to do it and they, they're not affiliated with anyone. They just like fantasy. And so you can always just do that. Um, if you did want to link in with a sort of someone like a Roto Wire or Roto World or, or those sorts of service uh, organizations, um, as I said, everyone is very approachable. So send a message, send an email, just say, hey, I'm interested. Sports Ethos, I know they're always looking for people to, to be helping over there as well. Um, it might be that you have to start. I mean, I could say starting at the bottom. Like I started writing blurbs, but I don't. I don't really consider that starting at the bottom because blurbs are almost the lifeblood of fantasy basketball <laughs> to some degree. And you write blurbs. A lot of most of us who who are probably in this space have written player blurbs at some point, and they're not easy. Like the and and you need to get them out fast. You need to know what you're talking about. It's a really, really good first step um, for anyone that wants to get into this space. But I would just say, yeah, if you're keen and you want to do it, reach out, make connections, um, be prepared to work for little to no money to start with, because I mean, I think anyone who you've had on this show and anyone that I have spoken to on my analyst series all start with working for nothing, basically. Um, so you, 
it's almost like a hobby that that starts to dominate your life a little bit too much so you do need to balance it with family and work and all that sort of thing but if you're passionate about it just reach out make connections start doing it um, and consistency i think is a key as well so you need to if you're going to start something even if the numbers aren't great and you go oh are people actually reading this i'm not getting a lot you need to keep it going josh josh talked about that a lot when i spoke to him and it, it, at first you might only have 10 listeners or 10 readers or 50 but if you do it for a month people are going to start finding it and then if you just go well no one's really listening and you stop then people are going to go oh well this this guy just stopped there's so many if you google going to spotify or any sort of platform and, and just search up fantasy basketball there's so many podcasts that have got five episodes recorded in two weeks and then it just stopped because they they obviously went well is this really worth it are people listening um and i i'm guilty of that a little bit and that's why i've done all these analyst interviews and, and i've recorded them and and they'll become constant and people will listen and then they can come back and listen later so that's one thing i would preach is that you need to stick at it if if you do want to have success yeah doing the work but you know being prepared networking reaching out to people i mean that's what you said you did with with josh lloyd is just kind of reached out to him found his pathway and just kind of followed it i know you mentioned that sports ethos it's one of the companies that's pretty consistent dan vespers is pretty consistently yep. posting out tweets saying hey we're hiring for mm. more than just mba content for anything else and just doing blurbs doing content it's it's work but it's uh it pays off if you stick with it and yeah like i've and like i said earlier you just reached out to me about saying, Hey, I'm available to be on your podcast. Like what we talked about earlier, everybody's really friendly. Everybody's really supportive, sharing each other's work, interacting with it just to help kind of show that there's comments and likes and retweets on anything posted there. Everybody's supportive. And I think that if you just try and get into the community, the community will embrace you. Yeah. Agreed. And, and look, if sports ethos, as you said there, I know that they're recruiting and, if you, if you get into that space and start doing their blurb writing, they've got Mike Passador who does it, Panda, and he's not a big sort of Twitter guy. He's not he's not out there in the, in the space promoting himself. But having worked under him for whatever it was, 12 months that I was there, he is so, so good at blurb writing and editing and content, that sort of thing, that I couldn't think of sort of a, a better pathway if that is an option for you. Um, same with RotoWire. Like I said, I came in through RotoWire, and they provide training. They they step you through it. Um, it it's it's a really good entry point for anyone um, wanting to come in. Yeah, and Adam, what work do you have kind of coming up over the next few months, and where can we find that? Uh, so we've yeah, I mean we've we've t touched on it already. The the analyst interviews we're releasing them. I think. Uh, mon so mon Mondays and Wednesdays, I think. Um, I know that's when they come out here, Australian time. So that's probably early morning, Monday, Wednesday in the States. Um, Matt's got his Dynasty podcast as well, which he missed last week, but that was due to family stuff. So he, he's generally doing an episode a week as well, um, as well as all of his Dynasty content ranks. He's just done WNBA fantasy ranks as well. Yeah. Um, so he's got all of that coming out. Um, I've got my player ranks out for next season already, um, which 
stupidly I've put them out, but no, that's exactly how they're good. That is, those are the perfect rankings. Just if you follow that draft, you will win your fantasy league. <laughs> oh, look, I think I think you could make a case that if you do do, I mean, I know Josh hates rankings now, Josh. A lot of people do, but I think to some degree, if you if you release them now, which I released them, I don't know what it was a few weeks ago. As we get closer to the season, I think you could make a case that you overthink everything and you go, "Ooh, am I right?" Or, but if you, like I just did my ranks and I went, "No, no, I think this guy sits here," and I'm sure if I look back in 12 months and go look at my rankings now and then my rankings just before the season, my rankings that I've released now will actually have a few guys in there that are probably pretty bang on because I didn't overthink it. I just went with my gut and what I know and didn't start listening to all the other analysts and and changing things around. So, um, yeah, so ranks are out. Head over to uh, fbibasketball.com is the website. So you can go over there and um, Matt's got Dynasty Leagues launching, WNBA Fantasy Leagues launching, and then we'll we'll start with our World Cup for next year at some point. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and make this promise that I'm going to use those rankings that you made right now for at least one draft. And I'm just going to see what happens, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see how good they ended up being, despite right. coming out the season before. But that's uh, that's going to do it for episode five, the Tank Me Later podcast. Adam, thanks for joining me to kind of talk about the Bulls, Thunder, Nets, and then ended up talking about Dante Exum and everything else. So it was a lot of fun. My pleasure. Sorry, we went a bit long, and and it's pretty late for you now. So you go and see how the Celtics are going. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I'm, I'm kind of scared based on the way it started. But uh, thanks again for joining me. And that's going to do it for this episode.